Thank you. Amen. Uh, first Corinthians, no, second Corinthians 6, 14 to 7, 1. Can I get a couple of volunteers to read out loud for us? Second Corinthians 6. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Second Corinthians, Corinthians 7. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for our God. Amen. Thank you. Um, so maybe as an extension of what Paul mentioned earlier in chapter 6 about not taking God's grace in vain. And then he has this like a litany of self-denials that um, he's willing to undergo so that the gospel message will not be hindered, right? That's um, uh, the ministry of reconciliation. Um, Paul kind of uh, takes this next, the verses we read as kind of a, a challenge, I think, that people consider um, like their relationship with, with unbelievers, right? Um, you know, there's that famous phrase in 14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. So um, that's our um, kind of uh, context here. But I want to hear from you guys. Um, any initial impressions, observations, kind of like thoughts uh, come to mind um, as you, you, you read this, as we read this passage? Well, these days we've been doing DT in the book of Leviticus and about all the different offerings and about the separation of what is clean and unclean. So I guess what stood out to me was uh, verse 17, kind of just a separation of, um, yeah, that God makes this distinction and separation. Uh, and he sometimes... I feel like he needs to show us physically or concretely what that means uh, by clean and unclean. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. I feel like it kind of focuses very heavily on the differences, right? And maybe on like from a different perspective, if I am trying to have a conversation right, about, like, myself or um, God or, you know, just, I feel like, you know, or sharing the gospel, sometimes it helps to find common ground, right, with an individual to, like, to establish a relationship. It's feels more comforting when you're, like, the other person might feel like they have something in common with you, but this passage feels very much like, you know, you are A, they are B, and, you know, we do not mix. 
Yeah, uh, I like the way you, you put that. It's pretty binary, right? Um, these are clear opposites. And Paul's asking it rhetorically, right? Light and darkness, Christ and Belial, Belial was another name for Satan. Um, you know, temple of God, idols. So um, it, it is kind of, I think I overuse the word jarring, but it, it is kind of like, whew. Uh, it does kind of um, whack, whack you a little bit. Um, kick others. Anyone have the see angles or new things? What do you guys think uh, Paul's purpose is in uh, kind of uh, not only writing this passage as he did, but like inserting this passage where he did. Right, chapter five was, I think, if you recall, the message in ministry reconciliation. Uh, chapter um, seven is going to be about uh, kind of him reconciling with the Corinthians, um, you know, uh, kind of, he's going to go back to like the opening chapters where he talked about how they were kind of criticizing him, calling him like that he changes his mind too much or something like that. Um, and there's kind of, a, there's kind of a relational rift between Paul and the Corinthians. So, but nestled in between five and seven is this, you know, chapter six about, you know, some of the hardships he went through, grace of God in vain, and then this holiness section. So any, uh, do you want to offer thoughts on his purpose, both uh, kind of positionally and content-wise? I feel a little confused by this expose, by Paul, because wasn't Paul the one that like criticized Peter for not eating with Gentiles? Right. And being like, you know, and even Jesus um, ate with like the tax collectors. Right. As you spoke on Sunday about. So I don't know. I feel. I don't know. I don't know. I have the answer, but I feel a little confused. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think um, the, the Paul and Peter uh, kind of controversy or challenge that might be a little different because that was uh, kind of in a Christian context like um, among believers, right? So Paul was calling out Peter because Peter was acting hypocritical, like he would hang out with Gentiles when the these Jewish leaders weren't around, but when the Jewish leaders came around, he went back to his cultural roots where they didn't, you know, they didn't uh, associate, right? So uh, Paul was saying, you're a hypocrite, you're they're fellow believers and you're good with them until someone you're, you're, you're worried about what someone's going to think. This one is more of a blanket. I think, as you said, a, a straightforward reading is that Paul is saying, you know, stay far away from the tax collectors and sinners. But yeah, I, I do think that, I guess that's why I'm asking the question, how do we either reconcile it, harmonize it, or, you know, what, how do we navigate that tension? Okay, I mean, there might be various ways to, you know, try to understand that. But the way that I looked at it was, um, okay, clearly Paul is evangelistic, right? 
He's not saying that we should not ever share the gospel or interact or share life or, or, or do something to proclaim the gospel, right? Because um, Paul is kind of the apostle extraordinaire, right? To, like Mary said, the unclean people, the uncleanness of them all, the Gentiles in, in, from a Jewish perspective. And so I don't think Paul is saying that um, he can't be saying or he'd be uh, kind of self-contradictory to say that we should never associate with it although he uses language like you know come purify yourselves out of you know everything um you know verse 17 come out from them and be separate so um i think we have to kind of uh, see maybe what is he trying to make sure that the corinthians avoid and i don't think it's avoiding non-christians right or you know, having connections to him or relationships with them, uh, though those are necessary, right? In order to uh, not only um, uh, you know live in this world, but to to you know bring them to Jesus Christ, right? Uh, you know, a lot of what he's teaching, and from personal experience, general experience, personally by all of us, is that you do have to do more than just kind of I'm holier than you. You need God you know, re repent or die, uh, repent or burn in hell. I mean, that, that, that's just not an effective means of, of, of evangelism. So um, I think that's not what Paul is saying, right? So, uh, you know, I think it's kind of uh, what Jesus did, right? So Jesus um, said, like, you guys uh, are in the world, but not of the world, right? So I don't think we're talking about, uh, like, monasticism or... Uh, a complete um, kind of withdrawal from all relationships in the world or any sort of interaction uh, with the world. No, th that's our mission field. That's why we're here. We're not here just to, you know, have our, what we call holy huddles and, and just, you know, uh, bide the time until, you know, we get rescued. Uh, uh, you know, we're supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus, right? all that evangelism. I mean, like we get that from Paul's proclaim him even. So I, I do think that um, it, it is this kind of, uh, we, we need to engage people to win them to the Lord. But in the process, I guess, what Paul is saying is be careful that you do not lose your Christian identity, your Christian distinctiveness, right? Uh, in other words, um, although Paul, right, in 1 Corinthians 9, he goes all out by saying, you know, to the Jew, it became like the Jew, to the Greek, it became like the Greek, to the one under the law, I became all things to all men so that I might save some of them, right? So Paul is willing to adapt and be flexible, and I, I like the way Mireille put it, establish that, that the commonalities or the common ground uh, in order to relate, but he will not give up his Christian distinctiveness, he will not give up his the call and and the and the, uh, the 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 demand even the challenge that God has placed upon the believers to live a holy life to live a pure life a life in the light a life walking in the presence of God so I think it's a warning and a challenge to make sure that in the process while we do have to be active in evangelism we don't get compromised right we don't um, lose our Christian identity, right? Which, which is, 
um, you know, a very, uh, you know, a difficult thing because, um, you know, we are in the world and we are tempted by worldliness, right? Um, the world's values, the world's formulas uh, or formulae for success, right? Um, we have to be careful that um, we don't, yeah, uh, lose our salt, right? Lose our flavor uh, or dim the light, like put something over the light, whether it's compromise or sin or uh, some sort of, uh, of loss of, of purity and, and fervency. So, uh, you know, we've used this metaphor before, uh, I think a number of times, but our task is to be like a ship in the water but make sure no water gets in the ship, right? And I've used examples like Noah's Ark, right? Inside is like, is like uh, we have to make sure that there is no contamination uh, of within the Ark or Moses's papyrus basket, right? Coated with pitch and tar so that the Nile, not only the physical waters, but what the Nile represented. Nile made Egypt great. The, 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 the idolatry of the Nile was what, you know, uh, Moses was waterproofed uh, from. So uh, this idea that um, I think Paul, he's just talked about the ministry and message of reconciliation. So he, I think he's saying, as we do that, you know, we need to make sure that we maintain our distinction. And then I think chapter seven is going to say, okay, and even amongst believers, we, we need to have the purity, the holiness, the the, the, the power of the spirit guiding our communication and resolving our conflicts, working through all of those kind of activities, right? Uh, we don't fight e the world with worldly weapons. We certainly don't want to fight each other or interact with each other or even help each other with worldly weapons. So uh, let, let's kind of uh, think through that. Mire, does that just using you as a representative, does that kind of help you kind of place this passage a little bit? Or is there still kind of like some kind of di discomfort with it positionally? No, I mean, knowing Paul, and <laughs> I knew there was, it was going to be sort of in that vein. But yeah, I feel like if you, if somebody just like, took this portion, right, and just only read this portion, right, it might feel a little bit confusing. But like, if you have a wider understanding or view, then yeah, it makes more sense. Yeah, thank you. Uh, other, just on that idea that Paul is not espousing complete isolation, uh, but he's maybe overstating it, if I could humbly <laughs> suggest um, in order to kind of get us to, you know, see the, how, how serious the stakes are. Any other angles, questions, perspectives on that? Interestingly, in 1 Corinthians, he has a list of, of things that people, you know, you should not associate with like idolaters and swindlers. And he has kind of a, a vice list there. Um, and then he, he, he recognizes that um, that doesn't mean that we, we can't assist with anybody because then, you know, you have nobody to 
you know, witness to. And so uh, he's saying that it's, it's a tough call, a tough uh, task, but um, that's what we're, we're called to do. Um, interestingly, he, we, won't talk, we don't need to talk about it too much, but another twist that he adds in 1 Corinthians is that um, he, um, he talks about the, the believer, the so-called believer who engages in these kinds of things. Uh, he says, avoid them, right? They're, they're the people that we should avoid the most, it seems. Like, let's say either hypocrites or people that are, are false, uh, claiming to be believers or followers of Christ. But, you know, the, the, the worldliness is just too, you know, that they really are um, um, not bearing any sort of, of Christian fruit. They're just, you know, was it what's Rhino? Republicans in name only. <laughs> Maybe it's like, you know, Christians in name only. Uh, and so the, the cultural Christian, as opposed to the uh, the one who has really what we used to call the born again Christian, or the, I would say the fruit bearing Christian. Um, although none of us are perfect, and we fall far short, the effort to the striving. Maybe Paul's saying we should strive to this. And if you don't, if you lack that, if you if you completely lack the desire to strive, then maybe we've never really. You know, surrendered uh, ourselves fully uh, to the Lord. Okay, um, so I, I'd, I'd like to spend the rest of our our, our time tonight, tonight, kind of using the whole chapter, but especially looking at verse fourteen, a right. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. I think that turns out to be the key, not only the topic, like phrase or, or verse, but um, <clears throat> trying to understand, like Paul's logic, if you will, makes sense to him. He's able to say, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And then he describes what yoking, what kind of dichotomies or kind of contradictions or kind of, uh, um, kind of logical fallacies exist when these opposites are yoked together. So, um, I, I think, it, it, it's, it will be, um, hopefully it'll be helpful to try to el elucidate, right, what being yoked together uh, means. Now, the metaphor, you know, it's, it's the, 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 the wooden um, farming device where you put two animals, uh, you lock them together uh, by, with, with a wooden yoke so that they have to operate as a team. So, uh, one, the animals have to go together. One can't, you know, they can't be independent of each other. They're kind of, they rise and fall. They go left, right, back, forth, stop, go uh, together. Um, so I, I somehow the, it's more than just kind of interactions or relationships or spending time. Uh, again, I, like, like we've been saying, Paul it, it is um, aware of that and maybe would encourage that. But avoid this yoking together, right? What does that look like? What does that mean? So uh, from Deuteronomy, it, it pro prohibits, uh, you can't yoke a, a donkey and an ox together. And there's it's other preclusions of things that don't, shouldn't be uh, joined. Like two, you shouldn't plant two different kinds of seed in a vineyard, right? That one will, the, the implication that one will mess up the other kind of thing. Like it'll defeat the purpose uh, of, of the yoke or 
uh, it, it, it won't allow the one to uh, kind of, uh, they'll be at cross purposes. And in that sense, that makes sense, right? If a Christian is devoted to God and living for God's purpose and living uh, his or her life uh, under the, 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 the leadership of the Holy Spirit and uh, for God's glory and eternity, and the non-believer, right, is the opposite. They are, their God is themselves and, or, or, or some other idol, the, the family or, or, or their, their country or, or their philosophy, their, 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 the worldview. And uh, when they, that can clash big time with God, right? Uh, and so um, it doesn't, the Deuteronomy passage doesn't really uh, elaborate on why um, what actual yoke together uh, means, uh, right? Uh, so that I'm going to um, have us go into break, uh, breakout rooms and kind of, you know, reflect together, think through it, talk through it. Uh, what do you think that looks like? Like what would be a modern day example of being yoked together, a believer with an unbeliever? Um, and then, you know, uh, maybe we could come back and uh, wrap up together, okay? So uh, the question in your group is to try to uh, unpack and come up with examples of what would be governed by verse 14, right? When, what is a situation, what is an example, whether personal or if you wanna talk about it, you know, uh, generally uh, that, kind of illustrates this prohibition of yoking, being yoked together, believer and unbeliever. Okay, so um, if Matt could put us into groups of four and uh, Matt, uh, do it for 14 minutes and that last 60 seconds, I think gives warning and everyone's automatically brought us back for 15, right? So you have some time to kind of talk through it, but. Um, please uh, share and have good um, breakout rooms together. Willkommen back. Wow, we got some faces back before it was just names and three cups. Okay. Um, maybe your group can share a salient point or two. Each group can do that. Any volunteers? We'll go. Can I speak for our group? I don't know if I'm a good spokesperson. Um, I might have dozed off here and there. I'm sorry. Um, so um, we talked about. I think. I think I could put it in three buckets. So one was romantic yokes. Right. And like one of the examples we were talking about was like evangelical dating and how, yeah, sometimes it could work out. But then for the most part, we've heard pretty. Um, Can I say right. evangelistic dating? Oh, sorry, evangelistic. Or mission dating. Yeah, I heard that. Uh -huh. Dating. OK. Um, and then the other bucket that we talked about was um, like family yoke or like blood relation yoke like parent and child or um siblings right where like you know maybe like you're the only um person in the family uh who is a believer 
right? And you are like forever tied to the other people in your family, right? Um, and like, yeah, we were talking about like some, um, like Steph uh, mentioned like a, like a, a story about um, like a child who had like a drug addiction problem, right? And things like that. And so we're kind of think, talking about um, those types of relationships and yokes. And then the third one um, that we talked about was like friendship yokes. Like for instance, if let's say in the beginning you, you like we met, you, you met in the church, right? Um, and you guys were very close friends, brothers and sisters, whatever in Christ. And then the other person decided to, uh, you know, leave the faith and like, it's not sometimes easy to just kind of just let that friendship go, right? Just because that person has left the faith. And I was just like kind of thinking, especially because we we're reading Paul, like Paul and Timothy were like so close, right? So like, what if like, hypothetically, Timothy decided to leave the faith? Like, I think that would have been devastating for Paul, right? And like, would he have just like, I don't think like Paul would have like cut ties, but I think that's like a yoke that like, Paul would have maybe had to bear. That's All it. Right. Well, well uh, categorized. Um, other groups, a spokesperson from other groups. Our group talked about um, just being, I guess, yoked in the marriage context uh, with an unbeliever. Um, and also we talked about uh, being yoked, I guess. We mentioned uh, the idea of, uh, you know, the Chinese uh, grave day. Uh, so kind of like uh, yoking to um, certain traditions or certain uh, expectations, uh, family expectations, uh, even that, uh, you know, may go against some of the, uh, you know, will take us away from, let's say, worship or take us away from uh, things that are important to us uh, uh, as Christians. Thank you. Yeah, I can try to summarize what our group said. Um, we also mentioned the dating. Uh, between Christians and non-Christians, but we were finding it hard to um, kind of think of other uh, relationships, modern day relationships, where it was like marriage, where your relationship would determine how you move um, forward or backwards in your relationship with God. Um, like covenantal relationships other than marriage, it was hard to think of, like um, David mentioned, like in uh, the Eastern traditions, like sometimes you can have a blood brother, right? And maybe that's something, you know, if one brother is um, a Christian and then you decide to enter a blood pact with another brother, that uh, another a friend that becomes your brother that is not a Christian and, and that you're now obligated to um, defend or whatnot the other person, even though it might not be Christian values or maybe a, a, a godfather and a godchild, again, that obligation, even though there's not a representation of Christian values. Um, so, so we talked about that or other things that we thought might uh, go under this question or was maybe business partners, um, 
if you had a business partner who is not a Christian and espouses values, you know, or uh, does things against your value system, then you're kind of stuck, um, you know, in, in terms of the decision making. And the thing that I talked about, which maybe I didn't understand the prompt, was um, a modern day example being, uh, it seems like politics and Christianity is, is being yoked together. And uh, um, that's kind of concerning. And because if, if it was that big of a deal, I think Jesus would have, would have done that himself when he was here, and, uh, or Paul or anybody. Um, but, uh, but it seems like modern day, especially in our country, it seems to be, it seems to be more and more yoked together. And I'm not sure they say they share the same values. Hmm. Right. That's good stuff too. Mm. Okay. A anything, any other types, examples, categories? Um, is there another group or did we cover everything? Well, thank you for doing that work. I, I think it, it, it's very fruitful. You guys, um, um, I had some of those on my own, but uh, some of these are kind of thought provoking. I think, Joe, uh, I, I think if we talk about the, 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 the topics of, or, or the ideologies of say of politics and Christianity, I'm not sure that's what Paul is saying. But I think if you personalize it and say, me and you are going to be, you know, join this pact to do, um, I don't know, to, to, to be independents or, or Tea Party. <laughs> I could see Joe as a member of the Tea Party just because of the name. <laughs> Sorry. Um, um, to that's do that, not and, funny. No, that's not funny. <laughs> and um, Matt's like, oh, thereby, you know, we compromise our Christian values. That I think would be like an example in my mind, but I, I, I kind of like the way that you were thinking, but, um, you know, just, just to kind of give, uh, talk about some of these, of course, this is, this is the kind of the number one verse, number one category for, this is, yeah, uh, Christians uh, needing to be married to Christians, right, as, as, and, and even the, like the mission dating that, that Miri, uh pointed out right so yeah i think marriage the, the covenant of marriage uh, you know uh david's prayer this past sunday had a lot a lot to do with that kind of uh the, the 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 imagery that's evoked with um what kind of connection uh that it is right even to the point where jesus and the and the church is uh is referenced right even um modeling <clears throat> what um husband and wife that kind of covenant is so I, I i you know you know a lot of people have an opinion on this right i think many people subscribe to it others feel that um you know that this is really not contextually speaking paul is not talking about marriage right so anyway uh just to kind of i, I think it does as you know, the way we did it, the exercise of trying to come up with applications, um, this, I, I do believe that he's talking about that kind of intimacy, that kind of like the idea of, again, your fortunes are knit together, right? Even if you want to go one way, if your 
yoke partner goes another way, you're going to, and they're more powerful, for example, or they're more influential, or they have some sort of leverage, you're going to end up going even against your will, because there is that kind of relationship, even, let's say, a formalized uh, relationship um, for that. Um, I never thought of the blood oath one. I can't think of one except out of the mafia context. <laughs> so maybe if you if you do a mafia oath with somebody that is not only uh, that kind of like, don't be yoke like that, but that's not the kind of yoke, that's not the kind of thing you should enter in, in uh, you know, as a believer. Anyway, um, that was an interesting one. Um, I, I, yeah, I had also the friendship one where um, it, it's interesting that you know, the example that I think Mireille gave were, um, it's something started out well, like both are following Christ and then one falls away, right? Or one, um, or like the, the, the family one, like we don't really have a choice, right? So it, it's hard to kind of like, pro, like, I think maybe the Christian, non-Christian marriage is clear can be more clear cut, but like some of these other ones are like you you know you I think we God has called us to love our family members you know to death even right, uh, and to serve them and to you know be loyal and devoted and 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 all that right. Um, maybe it's having the kind of relationship where you know they hook you or, 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 or you are entangled in some way where your faith is compromised. In that kind of scenario, I feel like maybe what Paul is saying is, right, yeah, you can have and you should have strong, you should pursue strong relationships with your family members. But if it involves doing something where you lose credibility, if you lose your witness, if you lose your spiritual edge or power, then that could be like a subset of this, um, you know, being uh, uh, yoked together that he says that we should uh, avoid, right? Um, it, yeah, so like what I think Tony's group talked about tradition. So, you know, you do want to, you know, respect the, the appropriate traditions, but then the, where there is something that, let's say, undermines or, or kind of uh, undercuts your faith expression. And, and, and again, that's the complicated calculus, right, that we have to pray about and work through. But that there could be an example where you do, you do not follow through or you do not ex, uh, exceed to that kind of sharing or, or that kind of, of um, partnership because it then constitutes uh, being yoked together in, in, in that kind of way. Um, something that nobody really mentioned, although um, Joe mentioned the business partner, right? I also thought like sometimes financial partnerships, right? Um, whether it's a formal like legal partnership or financial kind of binding together, the co-mingling, the, you, you know, that, that's sometimes... Uh, sharing uh, money together, right? Or tying up money together where, you know, the values are, are, are very different or what you want to do with that money versus what a, 
unbeliever would want to do with that money. That 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 could be a potential, um, you know, challenging point. Um, I think. Um, I thought the most interesting one, and maybe you guys talked about it, but the harder the hardest one that I was thinking about was like a, a professional or employment context. Could that be uh, a, a situation or a potential for this being kind of, let's say, uh, yoke, being yoked together that Paul advises against or commands against, where let's say the success of the company led by the, the principals or led by the, the officers or the shareholders, it makes you makes your faith compromised in some way. So, you know, I had a friend who was working for, I think it was Lockheed back in California. And, you know, he loved the job. He was really good at it. And he loved his um, coworkers and everything about it, except he couldn't handle that this was, you know, uh, they, they were actually, I think, um, you know, very into the, uh, you know, the, the bomb making, it wasn't even, it was, you know, they call it the defense industry, but this one was, it was more of an offensive kind of uh, thing. So his conscience didn't allow him to continue there. Right. So maybe we could say that's the case, but I think there's a lot of examples where that stuff is, is difficult, right. To kind of navigate difficult to figure out, uh, uh, it's not as obvious or clear cut as what Paul says, right? Light with darkness, you know, uh, temple with with idols, um, Christ and, and Belial. So, um, it it's kind of uh, I think it behooves us to be all the more prayerful, or maybe get all the more kind of guidance, all the more like gut checks or sanity checks or accountabilities, uh, you know, with people who can help us uh, kind of gauge whether either explicitly or maybe kind of inadvertently, right, we have joined in some sort of enterprise uh, where this kind of um, yoking together is not honoring uh, Christ. So, any uh, anything from you guys about like some of the more difficult categories or uh, anything else related to that uh, that you would want to offer thoughts on? Just an interesting textual or, or word and a question that I thought about was. Uh, in the NIV 84, which we read, it says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. But in the Greek and in a number of translations, it will say, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, right? So what does unequally yoked mean? Unequally yoked. So, you know, like from Deuteronomy, it's like um, you put a donkey and, and, a, and an ox together, right? They're not equal animals. They're, they don't. They don't have the same body shape, same strength uh, profile, you know, same kind of responses to human kind of, you know, direction uh, and that kind of stuff. So you have an 
a situation where one should not mingle with the other. That, that's one way to look at that. Um, so the, 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 the two yokis <laughs> are not of the same kind and type. And so you could say a believer and an unbeliever are, are unequal. So to yoke them together is, you know, uh, a recipe for disaster uh, kind of thing. Um, uh, is it John Calvin, right, uh, the uh, famous reformist, he, he commented on this passage apparently and, and, and said off the bat that it's not talking about marriage, right? We got to get that stuff from elsewhere. Like, and there's plenty of examples, like biblically, we can say that I think where marriage is so important that, yeah, a a follower of Christ can, I think, only uh, like sincerely, quote unquote, uh, marry or choose to marry another follower of Christ, right? Um, if they are being true to what I think marriage means and being true to, you know, following Christ. Anyway, but his view is that, especially like in view, I think, of chapter seven, where Paul is trying to get the Corinthians to see that although they have so many great things going for them and they, they um, are, are super whatever active and vibrant and, you know, they do, you know, a lot of Christian activity and, and there's, you know, there's spirituality among them and gifts and all that kind of stuff. You know, he is pounding kind of the point both in first Corinthians, I think, and 1.5 Corinthians and in second Corinthians that there is this, bent there is this attraction of them to um i think um uh kind of love or be kind of devoted to uh, seeking after worldly qualities right? whether it's the super apostles whether it's eloquence whether it's uh, demonstration of power, whether it's knowledge, whether it's, you know, this kind of like competition, you know, uh, whether it's freedom, there's a lot of, you know, like spiritual problems and issues in, in the Corinthians uh, um, letters, right, written to, 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 to these Christians. And so Paul, uh, Calvin says that um, he's saying, you Corinthians have to be careful that you are not you believers have to be careful that you're not yoking yourself with uh, unbelieving kind of qualities in people, right? That I guess he would say that the person that we should truly yoke ourselves with is Jesus Christ, his qualities, his character, his example, his model. Right. And, 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 you know, amazingly, Jesus uses this himself in Matthew 11, right? Take my yoke upon you. Right? Come to me all who are weary and heavily, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So um, there, you know, if you want to kind of, in, instead of kind of talking about the, the people or the relationships per se, um, if you want to talk about the actual qualities or issues that maybe Paul is trying to, I guess, allude to, right? He doesn't do it directly, but if he's trying to kind of set the stage for getting back into the kind of 
exhorting the, the Corinthians not to be enamored. That's the word I'm looking for, enamored too much with uh, worldly greatness, um, if that's helpful. So do you think he's actually, maybe Paul is using this as a, talking about institution, like, you know, church as an institution, do not be bound together with institutions of unbelievers. Because, you know, he's not addressing individual, right? He's not saying you, believer, do not associate with you, unbeliever. Right? If we read it in that context, right, Paul is saying, Corinthians, you as a church, right, you should not bound be together with, you know, other institutions like the temple of, you know, Diana, right? or, you know, like maybe that's how we should read it. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting angle. And that maybe goes back to some of the stuff that Joe said too, right? Politics and nationalism, if that's what she means, and Christianity. Um, it, it seems, right, as I look at it, uh, I, haven't, I haven't studied it from that angle, but it seems like he's talking about believers and unbelievers. But I think um, that would be an interesting thing. Can we do a quick, like uh, 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 brainstorm. Are there other parts of Second Corinthians where Paul talks about the institution, protecting the institution or the community of the church against other communities or other institutions? I mean, he talks about the courts of law, right? Not going to the courts of law um, to, to kind of assert their rights in First Corinthians and definitely the temple, right? Dave, as you mentioned. Okay, I think that that's uh, that's intriguing. Let, let's let let me let me kind of simmer that a little bit more. All right. If not, let's. Uh, if there's nothing else to add, um, maybe we could pray a little bit. Um. Again, I think Paul is trying to really uh, maintain or even kind of strengthen the integrity of the Christian witness and the Christian, um, both the, the witness person, the prop, witness proper, and also the, the message that the witness gives, right? So the message and the messenger. Um and so let's take a, a few moments to think about our message um, and, and how that is either um, maybe kind of solidified by our relationships, our yokings. So maybe that's our marriage, maybe that's our profession, maybe that's our families. Um, maybe that's our uh, traditions, other things that we've talked about, or are they maybe hindered? Um, you know, maybe our associations actually uh, kind of uh, clouds our witness. Uh, is there clarity? Is there confusion? Um, 
yeah, just just some thoughts to to pray over the passage and our time together talking about it. Okay, I'll close us in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for a chance to look at this um, interesting passage, challenging passage, um, to try to understand uh, Paul's sharp imperative in the context of what he's been talking about and will talk about. Um, thank you that in our breakout rooms, you're able to help us uh, make this uh, uh, something that we can kind of uh, overlay our own lives and, and a modern life, uh, what that looks like, um, what maybe are some uh, places or, or situations or even relationships to at least um, review, if not avoid. Uh, I pray that indeed you will yoke us uh, in great ways, in edifying ways, in uh, equal ways, in beautiful ways with uh, our spouses and our good friends and our families and our uh, brothers and sisters, and uh, maybe even uh, from uh, uh, community to community, um, the right kinds of partnerships, the right kinds of engagement, the right kinds of rising and falling together. Thank you for your grace. Uh, we just uh, need it uh, ever more, ever deeply. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.